Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Well, today is our last day in Africa after just over three months on the continent, and we've spent the last couple of days in Joburg, and Wendy, we've been visiting some of the poorer areas of the city. Yeah, when we first arrived in Joburg about three months ago at the start of the trip, we just stayed in one of the more affluent suburbs. But this time we wanted to get out and explore the city and have a better understanding of what most of the people's lives are like here. Yeah, in Joburg and especially Cape Town, there are some very wealthy and rich suburbs, but mm -hmm. then there are also very poor areas as well. And so it's really important that, that you understand uh, what this place is really like. So on Sunday, we visited one of the townships. Uh, the word township is used in South Africa to refer to urban settlements, but it's come to mean a slum or a shanty town, maybe something similar to the favelas in Rio, for example. Yeah, although what's interesting about Soweto in particular is that there's actually a very wide range of economic situations that people are living in. So the first part of Soweto that we saw on our trip was actually similar to the suburbs that we had been living in, uh, that we had stayed in on our on our first visit to Joburg. So, you know, there were large houses, nice houses with lawns out on the front and with cars parked in the garage in most cases. Um, and then we saw kind of a, a lower class and then a very, uh, very, very poor part of Soweto where people were just living in shacks made out of corrugated tin. Right. So to back up a bit, Soweto is a kind of an acronym. It means Southwest Townships. And it's this huge area. And I think that was the perhaps the surprise for us. I mean, it's an area with four million people, so it's not one homogenous area. Uh, as you said, there's lots of different regions kind of within it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it can be hard to, I don't know, to get a grasp of, of what it's like. You know, if someone says, oh, I live in Soweto, well, that could mean anything. Yeah. Like you said, it could mean that, that they're doing quite well, or it could mean that they're, they're really living very, very poorly. Um, and so it was good to go and see different parts of it to try to get a little bit of an understanding and a bit of an idea um, of, of what it's like there. Um, so like you said, there were these these suburbs um, that seemed quite wealthy. And in fact, the poorer people of Soweto call, or the kids, they call the kids from the wealthier areas of Soweto cheese boys. Um, because yeah. when they go to school, they have a packed lunch and they have cheese in their sandwiches. And that's apparently the indicator that they're, they're wealthy, they can afford cheese or, or something like that. But more than that, these are... Um, these are quite wealthy houses, they have cars, they have flat screen TVs, plasma TVs, and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like you said, that's similar to some other uh, suburbs in Joburg, but then these poor areas were, were very poor. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, not, it's something that's very incongruous with what you normally see in South Africa, because we've been blown away by just how developed the whole country is and how it really doesn't feel like the rest of Africa. But there are these places that are very much like the rest of Africa in that they are very poor and very underdeveloped. And there are lots of people living there. I mean, let's not forget that, you know, this is probably the majority population of South Africa is living in these poor conditions. So we visited this 
suburb or this kind of area of Soweto and people are living in these shacks and they're single room shacks uh, about 10 square meters so kind of a small bedroom size but that's the whole that's the whole place yeah so we went into one and we met the woman who lived there and she let us go in and, and look and so she lives there with her husband and her two young children the children sleep on the floor there's one bed where the parents sleep and then they do all their cooking also in there but they don't have proper kitchen facilities it's just pots and pans and, and they um, make their own heat and, and that's how they do it and uh, and that's it they don't have a toilet in the house. There's a kind of community sanitation area where they can go and use kind of what we would call a portaloo or a rentaloo, mm. kind of um, almost a temporary bathroom. Yeah, yeah, just a temporary toilet. And when you said they make their own heat, they use a, a gas, um, yeah, a gas stove. A gas stove, and they have a kerosene lamp uh, that they use for lighting, but they're not hooked up to any kind of electricity. No, some of them will illegally hook up to the streetlights and basically steal electricity from there, which they're not supposed to do. But of course, you know, they've got to do what they've got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem there is that it only works at night when once the streetlight turns on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really, you know, to go in and, and, and to see that it was um, emotional and it really makes, uh, you know, it makes the conditions that people are living in, in, in Africa and even here in South Africa, real to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, uh, it was a visit that I think people should do. Soweto used to be very dangerous. Uh, now it's become a lot safer. And again, it depends on the different areas of it, but you can take an, an organized tour for a half day and go into Soweto and, and go into safe areas, but also see these different levels of, of the way that people are living, as you mentioned. Yeah, and I was surprised that actually some parts of Soweto are really touristy. Uh, there's one particular street called Vilakazi Street, which is known to be the only street in the world that has produced two Nobel Peace Prize winners, and that is uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela. They both lived on the street, and so you can visit Nelson Mandela's house as a museum. But yeah, it's there are a lot of tourists there, and a lot of you know the tacky souvenirs and things that come along with touristy areas. So I really didn't enjoy that part of Soweto all that much. Um, But I'm glad that more and more people are visiting and that they are seeing this side of Joburg. And yesterday we did another tour to a poor area, and this was a a contrast to that last point about Soweto, which was that there was nobody else there. We were the only people Mm. uh, there. This is not a township, but it's more in the inner city of Joburg. And there's a very fascinating story behind a huge skyscraper that's there. It's called the Ponte Tower, and it was built in 1976 as a upper-class residential building for white people only. It was during apartheid, and 1976 is the year of the Soweto student uprising, so it was right in the middle of of these huge problems um, uh, related to apartheid. And so we went into this building, and it's 54 stories high. There's nearly 500 apartments. And so, as I said, this is where wealthy white people lived. It was before the affluent suburbs had really been built. And so if you wanted to, uh, you know, if you, if you had money, you could still live in the, in the city center, but in a building like this. And then what happened was that over in the 1980s, it became designated as a gray area, which means that there are people from different races living there. And then it, this huge downward spiral happened, whereby 
the government began cutting off services to the building and the owner of the building fled. And then what happened was this other uh, thing which is called hijacked building uh, occurred, which is where somebody else comes in when the owner is gone and they basically take illegal ownership of it and then start charging people rent. Mm -hmm. And so then it became this very poor building where there was no electricity and the lifts didn't work and people were living on the 54th floor and the building was designed for 2,500 inhabitants and then there were 10,000 inhabitants and it was this kind of high-rise slum in one building and it was quite incredible. Yeah. And um, one thing that really struck me was the garbage situation because like you said the lifts aren't working the elevators aren't working and so people are not going to walk down 15 20 flights of stairs to to take out their garbage so what they did instead was they just dumped it into the inner courtyard in the inside of the building and this became a huge dump that kept growing and growing and growing and it actually reached all the way up to the 14th floor so people who lived on lower floors had to then walk up the stairs so that they could get to the top of the dump and be able to dump their garbage down into the courtyard of the building. And so there are also all these gangsters there and there was all kinds of crime going on, all kinds of prostitution going on, drugs, everything. And so it had just descended from this very wealthy, high-class building into this this very unusual uh, urban slum. Mm. And finally, uh, in recent years, it's been cleaned up a lot. Now it's been renovated, and it's a kind of a middle-class type of building. And mm-hmm. so all of the bad stuff is gone, um, and there is a new owner, and that's why that all, that all took place. Uh, and so now, yeah, like I said, it's middle-class because the wealthy prefer to live in these outer suburbs now, um, but it's just really interesting. Now you have this mix of people, but the reputation of being this awful slum building is still there a little bit. And the area around it is, uh, you know, a little bit considered a little bit dangerous or certainly a poor area as well. But it was just quite fascinating how it went from this wealthy building to this awful slum until now a middle class building. So it's kind of had um, everything in its history. Yeah. And so that's uh, just a look at a couple of the poor areas or, or interesting areas of Joburg. And now for us, it's back to Portugal. Yep, our trip is finally over, and it's been a wild ride, and we really enjoyed it, but we are looking forward to getting home. Thanks for listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. English in 10 Minutes.com.